It's time for the Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. It's Thursday, September 1st, 2016. Welcome to a whole new month. Well, on today's Ship Report, I thought I'd do something a little bit different with the ship schedule, based on something that happened to me the other day when I was on the Riverwalk. I was I was standing there looking at the ships, um, and someone asked me a question about them, about whether I could tell them anything about all the ships that were out in the anchorage, assuming that I knew their names because I do the Ship Report. So I realized that actually I had no idea. You know, I do the ship report early in the morning and then I go to work and it seems like a million things have happened by the time the evening comes around. And so um, I certainly did not have the ship names memorized and I didn't have binoculars on me as well. So I couldn't see the ship names. They were just too far away. So I was in the position of most people standing on the shore looking at the ships and, and what are we looking at? So I've told you many times in general about the kinds of ships that you will see going by, but let's talk about the ships you'll see today. We have 16 of them all together. There are six inbounders. There are five in the Astoria Anchorage, right off Astoria there. And there are five outbounders that are heading downriver and out to sea. Most of our outbounders are heading down at river and out to sea with cargo on board. They come in to pick it up and they leave with it on board. That's why you'll see the ships sitting much lower in the water when they leave most of the time than when they arrive. Now, all but two of our ships today are dry bulk carriers. The other two are a cruise ship and a tanker, which is a liquid bulk carrier. The cruise ship's an easy-peasy one. You can't miss that one. It's at the port of Astoria today. And uh, But what about all the other ships you might see if you were on the river walk today or anywhere along the river where you can see ships going by? Well, our ships today are arriving from Asia and from Puget Sound. Now, the Puget Sound ships are probably ships that started their journey in Asia and stopped at Puget Sound first on the way here. So ships will come across on that great circle route from, say, Japan, stop at Puget Sound, then come to the Columbia River, and then go down to San Francisco or Los Angeles. That's a typical run. The ships that are leaving here are probably going to Asia as well. And by Asia, I mean China and South Korea, at least in terms of the ships that are here today. The ships you will see are carrying today bentonite clay, think kitty litter, I love to say that. (laughs) Bentonite clay is used for many other things, by the way, but the kitty litter thing is just very fun to say. Um, They have wheat, steel, soda ash, and uh, in the case of the tanker, liquid petroleum. So if you happen to be on the river walk today, say with visiting relatives or friends, a ship goes by, you want to kind of tell them it's your town, what's going on here. Probably what you're going to see is a dry bulk carrier. There are two kinds that we see on the river in general, the handy size bulk carrier and the Panamax. And there are a few other kinds of ships that come in in terms of bulk carriers, but for our purposes today, let's talk about these two. The handy size ships have four towers on deck that stick up like poles. They are cranes that are used to load and unload the ship. They're called stick ships in the industry because you can see those towers standing up like sticks from a long way off at sea. The bigger bulk carriers don't have these sticks. They're too big to load and unload themselves, and so they use gear on the dock to do that. And they have long, flat, open decks with big hatch covers. So chances are you'll see one of these today if you're inside of the river. You could tell your friends and relatives that chances are that ship is coming to pick up wheat because wheat's a big cargo of that this time of year, and you'd have a really good chance of being correct. So if you see a ship go by, this here's just another note, with pipes and valves on deck instead of those square hatch covers, that is the tanker. That's the liquid bulk carrier. So um, that's kind of a quick overview of what's happening on the river today for those of us who are walking around and don't have binoculars in our pocket, even though I know a few people who do that mostly bird watchers, but I'm always encouraging them to stop looking at the birds and start looking at the ships. 
And today we'll hear more from my interview with John Corbin about lost fishing and crabbing gear. One of the things in our company that we're actively looking at right now is a side-scanning ROV unit um, that we're looking at buying as a company, uh, a company purchase on our own, just to go out and find any lost gear. Um, we, we recently lost a shrimp net, but we spent, that guy spent 28 hours dragging a grapple around and they got the, the net back. Um, we just don't want to lose gear. And if, if, uh, if it takes, uh, getting one of these little ROVs to go out and find your lost pot and snap a hook on it and, and send it back up to the surface, that's what we're, uh, we're considering right now. And so that's a remotely operated, rem- remotely operated vehicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a lot of the big ships and stuff, they use them when they're like, when they're looking for the down planes and stuff, right. they use these little ROVs and things. Um, Anyway, so yeah, we're 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 uh, looking at the purchase of one of those units within our company right now. So. so when you're out there in the ocean, you're probably in the best position to kind of observe what's happening out there. Do you see sea life tangled in things? I haven't really. You know, we do see a lot of whales going through. We'll see killer whales that are going through, and you, you do see the marine life. Um, and and here in the last several years, the ocean is more alive than we've seen it in a long time. Hmm. Um, but um, it isn't so much the case. I know down in California, there's a lot more whale watching boats out there. Of course, everybody has a cell phone with a camera on it now. And so people are, are uh, seeing this sort of thing. We've had discussions with uh, uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, about whale entanglements. We have educational programs about how to deal with that. Um, we've had a real open dialogue about what it's going to take to, um, whether we need to do some sort of gear modifications or whatever, that if a whale were to entangle it. So the dialogue is ongoing. It's been going on for a while, but we don't want to get put in strict regulations without actually, um, making sure that it's going to work because you could end up to where now you've, you, you've, you've got the whale issue under control, but now you have a derelict gear problem because now all your gear is being snapped off every time something gets near it. And so now we've got more gear scattered all over the bottom out there. We don't want that. So um, we're working with uh, NOAA to to work on this issue. And uh, there's been a lot of workshops and, and we're in contact all the time on it. So I want to ask a question that most people may not know the answer to. Um, I've read about, say, on the other side of the Pacific, outside of U.S. waters, where there are things going on that would be considered, I think, illegal here with huge drift nets that are just miles and miles long. So is that illegal to do that here in the United States? Yes, yes. And so, yeah, a lot of what, you know, we used to see the, uh, they called them the high seas drift netters, and the Coast Guard would be going to, intercept these guys and and that's where you might see something abandoned where they're getting rid of it and trying to run away and saying well we don't have anything we don't have a net we don't um whereas what we have going on over here is nothing like that and and um nobody wants to lose their gear so um 
yeah it, it's an expensive proposition to lose gear and so it's we make like i say we we spent 28 hours after we lost that shrimp net uh getting it back and that was number one priority if it would have taken another 28 hours they'd have been there for 28 more hours whatever it would have taken to get that net back and that was commercial fisherman John Corbin talking with me about the phenomenon of lost fishing gear, the efforts that uh, fishermen make to retrieve that gear because it's very expensive. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Thanks for listening. You can find a podcast of this program on my website at shipreport.net. Have a great day. <laughs>